The Church Fellowship of Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut welcomes you to this edition of Shi'ar Jeshub. Today, we will begin the next sermon in the Heavenly Authority series. So let's join Bible teacher and author of the award-winning book, The Nature and Power of Prayer, Pastor Greg Scalzo. We've been studying the apostles, and we've talked about the authority given to the apostles. We also briefly discussed the different levels to which the designation apostle applied. And today I would like again to focus on the highest and the original level of the designation being the 12 apostles. Those, according to Acts chapter 1, verses 21 to 22, were men who had accompanied, accompanied uh, Jesus from the time he went in and out from the beginning for the baptism of John to the day he was taken up from them to be witnesses of his resurrection. And they were the 11 he had called and chosen, and obviously Matthias, who we talked about the last time, who again made the number up to 12, but had been one who had been with him from the very beginning. And let's look at their role in the start of the church. And of course, it starts first to the Jews, and it starts first in Jerusalem. We left off the last time in verse 26 of chapter 1 of Acts, and they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. And then right away you read in chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And not just the apostles, right? All of them. You have, we're told back in chapter 1, verse 15, about 120 believers in the Jerusalem area. So the 12 apostles and the rest are there. And you have the fulfillment of the promise that Jesus spoke. There comes the sound suddenly from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It fills the whole house where they're sitting, and there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were filled, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They received power. He had told them, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And they were to wait, and they did. They waited, they prayed. They were in one mind, one accord, something that doesn't happen very much in church history, but it happened at the very beginning. The resurrection was so real. They had seen Jesus. They had walked with Jesus. The human flesh must have been at its lowest possible point of being able to interfere in the church. They were in their best selves, waiting and praying and seeking, one mind, one accord, and God answers the prayers. He sends the Holy Spirit upon them, and now they have power as fire coming down from heaven. And Peter, the leader of the twelve, stands forward. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 14, it says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, 
raised his voice. So the 12 apostles come forward. They are in the position of standing out front, of being sent out to spread the word. Peter, standing up with the 11, raised his voice, and Peter is clearly the leader of the 12, and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. And he goes on to deliver a powerful sermon that we've often studied. And the central message comes down to chapter 2, verse 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission, the forgiveness of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Remember, they were sent out to preach the gospel of the kingdom of heaven and that people ought to repent. And that's exactly what Peter does, right? He preaches the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. He shows them the fulfillment that they have the good news that Jesus Christ was crucified for them and they need to receive him and be baptized in his name and their sins would be forgiven. They need to repent and turn from their sins. So the message they had been taught, they preach. And it's effective. The result in verse 40, and with many other words he testified and exhorted them. So we just have part of the sermon saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about three thousand souls were added to them. Three thousand. An effective sermon, an effective witness of the signs and wonders of the Holy Spirit, the word, the message going together with the signs, the evidence of the Holy Spirit. And three thousand souls repent. Three thousand receive Jesus Christ as Lord and come in and you have the start of the church. Now, here's what we want to look at and focus on today. Look down at verse 42, the next verse. After you read about the start of the church, 3,000 souls, verse 42, and they continued steadfastly, steadfastly, in the apostles' doctrine or teaching and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And that's a good formula if you want to have a formula for what should go on in a church, there should be the teaching, there should be the fellowship, there should be the breaking of bread, the communion, and there should be prayer. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in the apostles' teaching. Remember, these 12 had been with him, had been with Jesus. In Mark chapter 3, verse 14, we read how he calls and appoints them to be with him. They were in his inner circle. He explained and talked and taught them for three years that they might learn from him and teach about him and tell the people what he taught them. And what we have here in the New Testament scriptures is the apostolic teaching as the Holy Spirit brought it back to their memories, as Jesus told them he would at the Last Supper. Matthew is an apostle. John 
is an apostle. Mark grew up with the apostles. The church in Jerusalem gathers in the home of his mother Mary, who's an influential woman. We read about that in Acts chapter 12, verse 12. He then travels with Paul and Barnabas, who are apostles. Later, he's in the service of Peter, 1 Peter 5, 13, and Peter calls Mark his son. When you read the Gospel of Mark, you have the reality of what Peter saw as an apostle. Luke made a careful investigation of all the things that happened from the very first. These Gospels are the apostolic teaching. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 2, it says that Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, gave commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen in that time period between the resurrection and the ascension. So the teaching of the apostles was central to the early church, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrines. And I believe this is important to emphasize. We're studying the gifts, the offices, and the workings with the guideline from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, and God has appointed these in the church first apostles. And many modern sermons I've heard when discussing the application to today's church, remember I said the last time, there is an application. Um, you have the highest level, the 12, then you have the other apostles at the time of Jesus, many of whom saw the Lord risen. They won with him the whole time, like Paul. Paul was not with him, but Paul saw him resurrected. And there are a number of other apostles listed. Barnabas, we don't know if Barnabas was from the conversion at the day of Pentecost, he's from Cyprus, or if he was there earlier on. He's a relative of Mark. Silas is a believer from early on. We don't know how early on. But then you get into a third level of those who clearly are his next generation, like Timothy, who's called an evangelist and then is included with the apostles. And you have this third level of going forward into the future, those who would be apostles in the sense of carrying down the teachings of the apostles. Clearly, they were not witnesses of the resurrection, but they're witnesses of it through the Holy Spirit. But in many modern sermons, when it's applied to the church today, they will equate what we know today as missionaries. I don't know if you've heard that. They'll say, well, when the Bible says, first of all, apostles, an apostle today would be a missionary um, because the apostles are sent out to bring God's word to those who do not have it, and missionaries do that today. And there is an overlap. Apostles go out. That's part of their call. Missionaries go out. Though, Initially, here, missionaries tend to go further out than the apostles did initially. But there's an overlap, and certainly some missionaries may have the calling as an apostle rather than just being evangelist. But I don't believe the terms are automatically synonymous, and here's the key reason. More than just preaching the good news, and really every believer is called to preach the good news, the apostles here have the important, the key, the chief responsibility of keeping the teaching of the Lord pure, of keeping the teaching of Jesus true, of keeping the teaching of the Holy Spirit 
and not the imaginations or traditions of men which can so easily creep into the church. That's a tremendous responsibility that goes beyond just going out and preaching, going out and telling the unsaved. They have to maintain the doctrine, the teaching that is pure. Lest the church be tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and their cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Lest the wolves come in, not sparing the flock, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. This is an important ministry, and the devil knows just how important it is, and he throws up roadblocks to stop it. We read about it early on. Look ahead to chapter 6. In chapter 6, it says, Now in those days when the number of disciples was multiplying, it's growing, it's growing larger and larger in Israel, in Jerusalem. There's, there's church growth. When you have church growth, we pray for it all the time, right? But there's problems. The more people you have, the more problems you have. And there needs to be wisdom to be prepared. How do you handle the situations that develop. Now in those days, when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews, these are the Aramaic or Hebrew-speaking Jews, by the Hellenists, these are the Greek-speaking Jews. Join Pastor Greg on the web for serious Bible study and information about our church. The address is www.shiarjashub.org And may the Lord bless you as you serve Him.